This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Hey, good morning. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here at Christian Chapel. If we haven't met, I'd love to say hi to you afterwards. You're joining us as we're kicking off a, a series of messages from the book of Acts that we've called Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Church. Uh, because those are the three themes you see kind of on repeat in, in the story of the early church. Before we jump into that, though, I've uh, got a, a quick announcement for you. Um, as you look around the room, you can see we're kind of running out of space in our, our 1045 service. First through sixth graders have already been dismissed, so kids, if you miss that, you can head over to Chapel Kids. But we're doing everything we can, uh, but you just keep doing a great job of in, inviting your friends, family, and neighbors, and God keeps bringing people in. So we're trying to make a little bit more space. Um, we are, have a plan on March 26th, which is the, the week after spring break. We're going to add an 8 o'clock service. Um, and so I, I mentioned that at 1045, knowing almost none of you are going to come. <laughs> Because you don't come to the 915, so you're probably not coming at 8, right? But here, here's what we're asking. Uh, so the 915, I'll let them know, like, hey, you're the most likely people. So we're, we're looking for about 75 to 100 people who are willing to come at 8 o'clock. The 8 o'clock service will have nursery. It will not have kids ministry for that six weeks. We're running this as a, a six-week. You know, those weeks around Easter are always the busiest time of the year, so it'll create enough space in the 915 and 1045. It will also give our staff and volunteers time to, to kind of see what that looks like with the plan of adding three services full-time when school starts this year in August. Uh, so, so that'll help us. But uh, where you can help us in the 1045 is as a few of those 915 people move into the 8 o'clock, we need a few of you to move to 915. Uh, because 1045 is the service that most people come to their first time at Christian Chapel. And so if, if you can help us just create a little bit of space for them leading into Easter, we're going to run that March 26th all the way through April. Um, you know, that first week of May, many of our college students return home, so that should give us a, a little bit of space to get through the summer. And then next, next fall, we'll kick it off with three services every Sunday. So um, just something to think about, pray about. Uh, and again, uh, that 8 o'clock service is, is really kind of designed for people who are already up, um, or, you know, we will have nursery available because you people with babies aren't asleep ever. So uh, if, if you want to just go ahead and, and get here at 8, that'll be, that'll be good too. But hey, today, if you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 1 through 13. We're talking about the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And so if, if you're with us for the first time, we're working our way through Acts, and we're working through from the perspective that Acts is not just descriptive of something that happened a long time ago, but it's prescriptive for something that should still be happening in the life of every church and the life of every believer. And the story we see on display in Acts is Jesus shows up by the power of the Holy Spirit and builds his church. And everywhere the church is built, Jesus is glorified, the gifts and the presence of the Holy Spirit are released, and the church then expands into new places and among new people. So that's the, the desire we have in our hearts today is we want to make much of Jesus. We want to see people surrendering their lives to him like we just celebrated with baptism. We want to receive the promise of power of the Holy Spirit, and then we want to be involved building the church by sharing our faith with people around us and people 
all around the world. Um, Now, I know when we talk about the supernatural nature of the Holy Spirit, it can create different thoughts and reactions. Last fall, we spent about eight weeks preaching about the Holy Spirit. And so if that idea is new to you, I'd encourage you to to go back um, either on our website or on YouTube or or the podcast and listen to those messages where we just kind of laid out, this is who the Holy Spirit is. This is how the Holy Spirit is presented in scriptures. This is the impact he has on our life, how he draws us to salvation, how he releases his gifts, all these things. And what we learned in the fall is that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there are all kinds of different reactions, mostly based off of our personal experiences and background. And so today, I know when we're talking about the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit being released on the day of Pentecost with supernatural signs, there are some of us who are terribly excited, right? You're just all in of, yes, I can't wait. This should be every Sunday. See, they can't help themselves. Like it's, and it's wonderful. And I am 100% there with you. What we found when we worked through the the series on the Holy Spirit in the fall is in our home groups, we have diverse groups of people from diverse backgrounds in home groups. And so some home groups, they, they are people who were just born and bred into Pentecostal charismatic churches. They've never known anything but a church that emphasizes the work of the Holy Spirit. And so when they hear it, their response is, okay, let's go, let's do this. It's for everyone. I need my neighbors, I need my friends, and just hit the gas at 100 miles an hour. If that's you, I'd say that's great, that's awesome. Keep Keep that excitement, but also have an awareness that not everybody has the same background, the same excitement that you do. Doesn't mean they're not going to get there, but might mean they're not there yet. Another common experience we found was that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it makes some people nervous. And, you know, and, and maybe even this morning you see that thought of supernatural power and acts, and you're thinking, I don't know where this is going. Is somebody going to put their hands on me later? Is there going to be a prayer chain, a prayer tunnel? Is there a Jericho march? Is there a, like, where are the snakes coming out? You know, and, and so I, I don't know. I, I'll just tell you, uh, no snakes, right? Somebody might pray for you, but that's, that's okay. That's actually not weird. That's biblical. So, uh, but, but we just get nervous because we've heard different things. We've experienced different things. Maybe you grew up in a church where the, the Trinity was not necessarily Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It was more Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. And the Holy Ghost was kind of uh, sectioned off in the back corner of the church and not really talked about, not really mentioned. Maybe your experience of the Holy Spirit is only crazy stories you've heard or read or that one wild relative that blamed every wild thing in their life on the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, and, and so sometimes we can get a little nervous. If that's you, I'd say, I understand. And, and my only request is just come with an open mind. We're not going to ask you to do anything or believe anything that's not presented in the scriptures. We're just going to anchor ourselves in what the scriptures teach us about the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, if this is your plan, this is what we want. Now, some of us, we're we're a step past nervous and we get a little apprehensive, maybe even bordering on skeptical, because you might have grown up in, in a place where people told you the person and work of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and especially the supernatural nature of the Holy Spirit is not for today. They told you that was for the age of the apostles, and it stopped there, and it has not continued. And if that's you, I would again say, hey, we, we are more than happy. I've had a bunch of conversations over the past couple months about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. More than happy to have those talks, to talk through the scriptures with you, to talk through your own experiences. Um, but, but what I believe, and I believe the scriptures teach, is if you read through the New Testament with an open mind, you will never come to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit is not for today. 
The the only way you arrive at that conclusion is if someone else taught it to you and then you go back and read it into just one or two little scriptures. But if you're just approaching the Bible saying, Lord, will you speak to me, you will never come to the conclusion that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit are not intended to be part of God's church until Jesus returns. That's the pattern we see throughout the New Testament. It's a pattern we see throughout church history. It's the pattern that we see throughout the life of Christian chapel. And then, then for some of us, I know when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're curious. Like you, you've kind of heard about it. You've uh, watched as other people have kind of lived in the power of the Holy Spirit and worked through these things. And you're just you're curious. And, and from that space, I just say you're, you're welcome. Just keep exploring it. Keep asking. God will reveal himself to you. And then the, the last thing that we found is you're hopeful. And in the fall, as we worked through that series on the Holy Spirit, I had numerous people who caught me or other ones of our pastors or home group leaders and expressed to us, they're relatively new to Christian chapel, and expressed some variation of, now I know why God brought me here. I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. I've just felt like there was some experience of power that I've been lacking to do all that God has called me to do. And I believe it's this gift of the Holy Spirit. And so if that's you, I'd encourage you to just keep keep pursuing the Lord, keep asking him, keep surrendering to him. But today, as we talk about the supernatural power of God, we actually want to back up just a bit and go to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And remember, the supernatural power is the result of the promise that Jesus makes to us. So we talked last week, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus promises the disciples, you'll receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so today we'll talk about the supernatural nature of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about how he shows up in supernatural ways to equip us for a supernatural task. Some of us are going to handle that in different ways, but regardless, what I hope you understand is everything we're about to discuss is the result of a promise that Jesus made. The gift of the Holy Spirit, this gift of spirit baptism to receive power to witness, was not the invention of the disciples. It wasn't the creation of a church or denomination. It's not just the little pet project of a group of pastors in the 20th century, but instead it's the promise of Jesus. Jesus is the one who said, I will send the Holy Spirit and you will receive power to be my witnesses. And so from from beginning to end, we want to put ourselves in a position of humility, of submission, of obedience and acceptance and saying, Jesus, if this is your promise, then this is what I want. And then let's go ahead to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. If you have a Bible, it'll be there. If not, it'll be here on the screens for you. Luke tells us, when the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken, utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. 
We'll spend the, the rest of the morning talking about how and why God sends the Holy Spirit in such a dramatic way. Next week, we'll talk about the immediate aftermath when Peter gets up and explains to the crowd and answers these two last questions of what does this mean, and maybe they're just drunk, and how he works through that. But what I, I want you to understand this morning is everything that we will talk about from the book of Acts in the coming months is rooted in the gift of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The church is built because the Holy Spirit arrives on the day of Pentecost. The church expands around the world because Jesus gives the gift of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And in in every way, you and I exist as followers of Jesus today because of the events that happened on the day of Pentecost. So this morning, we're not just reading a story about what happened a long time ago. We're reading a story about what happened and what created the groundwork and framework for you and I to continue to have this experience today. And as we have our own personal Pentecost, we then become the groundwork and the framework for the generations coming after us and people around the world to have their own personal and powerful experiences with Jesus. But from beginning to end, the day of Pentecost is the story of God keeping his promise. So it's not about what I think and it's not about what you think. It's about this is God's plan and as God's people, we submit and surrender to God's plan. And we see a couple of things on the day of Pentecost. The first thing we see is that the day of Pentecost reminds us that the power of the Holy Spirit is a personal power. We are all intended to have a personal and powerful experience of the Holy Spirit. Listen to, to how Peter describes it. He says that tongues of fire, pillars of fire, came and separated on each of them. And then he says, and all of them began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So two words to to notice and pay attention there, each and all. The gift of the Holy Spirit is still for each one of us today and for all of us today. And what happens on the day of Pentecost, when you compare it to some of the, the supernatural appearances of God in the Old Testament, is remarkably different. Almost every time in the Old Testament when God shows up in a personal, powerful, supernatural way, it's usually to an individual or to a leader. On the day of Pentecost, it's to everyone who's gathered today. So the day of Pentecost, it's it's different from Moses going up Mount Sinai. When he leads the Israelites out of Egypt and they tell him, you go meet with God for us, we don't want any part of that. And so Moses ascends on top of the mountain and the cloud, the glory of the Lord descends and the people stay at the base and they wait for Moses to come back and tell them what God has said to them. On the day of Pentecost, the spirit descends on everyone who is there. And so what it means for us is this gift of the Holy Spirit is not restricted to the leaders. It's not restricted to the missionaries. It's not restricted to the future apostles, to the leaders of the church, the founders of the church. It's not restricted to the particularly spiritual or the charismatically inclined. But the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit is for each one of us and for all of us. The only qualification that is necessary to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the supernatural power he promises is that you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And so if you're a follower of Jesus today, this promise of power is for you. And it's not a promise of power that you're going to observe in the life of someone else. It's not a promise of power that you're going to applaud and appreciate its work in the life of your church or other believers, but it is a personal power that you are supposed to experience. 
There are no observers in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. There are only participants. And just in case we don't get it, we'll we'll jump ahead and steal from a little bit of what Peter says. So when Peter gets up to explain to the crowd what has happened, he makes it very clear to us that this is personal power. He says in Acts 2, verse 17, that this gift of the Holy Spirit is for all people. It's for your sons, it's for your daughters, it's for your young men, it's for your old men. It's for your servants, for your men, for your women. And just in case you still don't get it, it's for you, for your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You cannot read the book of Acts without coming to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit is for today and the Holy Spirit is for each and every one of you. You're not too young, you're not too old, you're not too male, you're not too female, you're not too rich, you're not too poor. You're not too far gone. It's not only for those who believe in Jesus right now at this moment. It is for everyone, everywhere, for all of time, who will put their faith in Jesus Christ. This is the promise. This is the promise. Now, where you and I have to position ourselves is, if that's the promise, I want to participate in it. It's a participatory power. Right? And, and so this can be a challenge for some of us maybe who grew up in some, some really spirit-empowered and spirit-emphasis environments because it, it can be easy in that environment to become an observer. It can be easy to, to sit at the back, to sit at the front, to sit at the side, and to watch other people operate in the power of the Spirit. It can be easy to celebrate the stories of what God is doing in the lives of someone else and and really recognizing how they're witnessing effectively. It can be easy to sit at the back room and, and hope you get to see something cool. And yet what we see on the day of Pentecost is it's not a a promise of, hey, come enjoy the show. It's a promise of come participate in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, I mean, he, he doesn't have time for you to just sit around admiring him and joining his fan club. He's got too big of plans for your life to make you a witness in your Jerusalem, in your Judea, in your Samaria. And so you have to participate. And to participate means you have to surrender, you have to submit. This participatory power is what Jesus promises to us in Acts 1.8. He says, you, 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 you will receive. Not you will observe, not you will applaud, you will receive, you will participate in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's reiterated on the day of Pentecost, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Again and again and again, Acts is making the point painstakingly clear to us, the Holy Spirit is for everyone. And so we can teach our children about the Holy Spirit. We can teach our teenagers about the Holy Spirit. We can teach our adults about the Holy Spirit. We can teach our old men and old women about the Holy Spirit. And Peter and me, we don't say who that is, but if it's you, it's still for you. If you're old, the Holy Spirit's for you. If you're young, the Holy Spirit's for you. If you're old and think you're young, the Holy Spirit's for you. If you're young and act like you're old, the Holy Spirit's for you. Right? If you're old and think you're a child, he's still for you. He is working on all of us all of the time. We are all invited to participate in his power. And so if we're going to participate in it, it means we're going to position ourselves in a place where we say, Jesus, I have surrendered my life to you. Right now, if you're scared of the Holy Spirit, I, I want to assure you of something. If you're a follower of Jesus, you already walk with the Holy Spirit. 
It was the Holy Spirit who convicted you of your sin. It was the Holy Spirit who revealed Jesus as your Savior. It was the Holy Spirit who gave you the gift of faith to place your faith in Jesus Christ. It was the Holy Spirit who bore witness with your spirit that you were now a son or daughter of God. It's the Holy Spirit who keeps you in the family of God. And so you have already experienced the Spirit. You already walk in the Spirit. What we're talking about this morning is a promise from Jesus that men, women, teenagers, and children who have placed their faith in him can, will, and need to receive a gift of power from the Holy Spirit to do all that he's called them to do. And so if this is the power you want to participate in, then Acts begins to show us this is what it's going to look like. And what we see is that in Acts, God shows us supernatural proof of this sign. So so let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. And what you'll see is there are three signs that are here. So the first thing, it says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. So sign number one, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Sign number two, other translations say pillars of fire. Basically kind of this this picture of, of what it says. Legitimately fire kind of hovering over the head of each person. Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And then three, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And three, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So three signs. There's a supernatural wind. There are tongues of fire, pillars of fire that separate, and then they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enables them. All three of these signs are signs to the apostles that they have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. As you read through the story of Acts, you see in five, four other instances, five total, there is this idea of Christians Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In three of them, the only sign that's mentioned is they speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so, so we got to stop for just a minute and ask, why would God give such supernatural proof? Well, remember, on, on the day of the ascension, Jesus has gathered the disciples on the hillside outside Jerusalem, and he's told them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. And then he tells him, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And so Jesus presents them with this picture of, you need to go back and wait, and then you'll receive. But he doesn't give them the last bit of information that I feel like would have been helpful. Maybe they asked, maybe, I mean, don't you think one of them would have been like, how do we know? Maybe he was already up in the clouds by then. They're, yeah, how do we know? What do we do? But Jesus leaves and he doesn't tell them. He just tells them, go back to Jerusalem and wait. So they go back and they wait. There's 10 days between the day of the ascension and the day of Pentecost. For 10 days they wait and they pray and they pray and they wait and they wait and they work and they pray and they're just doing it over and over and over again. And then when the time is right according to God's plan, on the day of Pentecost when people from all around the world pilgrims have returned to Jerusalem to observe Pentecost, then God releases the gift of the Holy Spirit in this upper room that's likely somehow adjacent to the temple complex where all of these people would have been gathering around. And when he releases the gift of the Holy Spirit, he does it in a supernatural and undeniable way, right? Because the last thing that God wanted was for the disciples to stay in the upper room for the rest of their life. If there is no supernatural proof that the Holy Spirit has come, they're just going to continue to wonder if they've received it or not. And so when the sound like a mighty rushing wind comes through the room, I mean, if that was the only one, perhaps they would have thought somebody left the window open. The storm is blowing in. We don't know. Now, now the, the pillar of fire, that one probably could have stood on its own, right? I mean, that, like, that's pretty 
Honestly, if, if I could choose, that's the sign I would have picked to continue. Because no one would ever wonder, did I receive the Holy Spirit? Did you, did you have the thing? You had the thing? You're good. Let's go. You didn't receive the Holy Spirit. I lit a cigarette off my head. I did. I was still being sanctified, but I had the Holy Spirit, right? You, you just want to know. But so, so that one comes, and now there's a little more proof because there's a strong association with fire and with the presence of God. So, so now they've heard the wind, and that calls back to some Old Testament stories, and they've seen the fire, and that calls back to some Old Testament stories. But then the, the thing with the wind and the fires, those are both passive. Those are things that God is doing. That third gift is participatory. And that third gift is they all begin to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. It's this idea of they were speaking, they were praying, they were worshiping in languages that they had not learned. And just put yourself in the upper room for just a moment. You've been praying for 10 days. You've been waiting and praying and hoping and longing and wondering and you hear the wind and you look around the room and you start to see the fire and then you recognize I'm praying speaking in a language I've never learned and so is he and so is she and so are they and, and in that moment is there anyone in the room that looks at each other and says you think this is it like they know right they know it's supernatural proof of a supernatural gift for a supernatural task The Holy Spirit never intended for the disciples to sit there and wait. He intended for them to wait until they received, and when they received, to launch out and get to work. It's the same thing in our lives today. The Holy Spirit still wants to release his supernatural power in you. And what we see in the book of Acts is that when the gift of the Holy Spirit is released to give you power to witness, it is most often accompanied by a supernatural sign. You are not meant to spend your whole life wondering, have I experienced the Spirit? In the same way, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. When you receive this gift of spirit baptism, the Holy Spirit releases supernatural signs. And what you see in the accounts in Acts, five times the Holy Spirit is given to believers to receive power for witness. In three of those, it specifically says they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. In the other two, it's implied. And so all we can say is that the normal experience from the Scriptures is when men, women, teenagers, and children are baptized baptized or receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, there is a supernatural sign that accompanies it. And most often that sign is that they speak in other tongues that they do not know. And I understand why that is weird. And yet that's what the Bible says. And if God has a supernatural plan for my life, it's logical that he would provide a supernatural proof that I have received the supernatural power to begin to work his supernatural purposes. And what that requires of us as Americans, and and I've told you this before, if I preach this message in churches in Burundi in Central Africa, if I preach it with my my missionary friends in India, if I go to Brazil, the the message in a church service there says, uh, the Holy Spirit comes with supernatural power. His supernatural power is accompanied by supernatural signs. Let's pray. And that's the whole thing. And in America, it's, The Holy Spirit has supernatural power to accomplish his supernatural plans. It's going to be accompanied by supernatural signs. Now let's talk about all the reasons you don't believe that's possible. And then at the end, we hope we'll pray and we hope we'll get ourselves in a position of humility. Why is that? It's because we live in a culture that has a a deep and dedicated anti-supernatural bias. 
It says, I mean, it's, it's why this morning, even as we read the book of Acts, we think, you know what I would be okay with as signs of the Holy Spirit coming? I'd be okay with a mighty rushing wind. I'd be okay with a pillar of fire that settled over my head. Because then I can just show the world, I didn't do it, that was just God. But the idea that I have to participate in this supernatural sign, that's where many of us get uncomfortable. It's where many of us back away. It's the foundation for many of the objections. Most of the objections to the ongoing supernatural work of the Holy Spirit are not rooted in Scripture. They're just rooted in our discomfort with the experience. Right? And, and, I, and I get it. I had this experience when I was in fifth grade at a youth camp before I fully understood what was happening. And I spent my entire junior high, high school, college, and seminary years asking the Lord, did that really happen? Or did I just make it up? And I would come back to the scriptures, and I would ask my professors, and I wrote papers about it from the opposing views, trying to look for anything. And all I could come back and settle on was, it's a supernatural gift that has a supernatural purpose. And so there's a supernatural sign. And if that's what God chooses to do, my job is not to argue with him about how there must be a better way for 2023. My job is to say, okay, Lord, if that's what you want, that's what I want. And, and that's, as, as we work through the story of Acts, we're not trying to get you to sign off on some denominational belief sheet, right? I, I, don't, I don't really care. What I care about is, are you willing to submit to the authority of scriptures, to the plan of Jesus, and experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? And you can come with your questions, and you can come with your doubts, and you can come with your, your past experiences that maybe didn't go so well, and all of that is welcome, and all of that Jesus can work through. The only thing we can't come with is our fists firmly grasping, God, I'll let you do whatever you want, but not that way. I'm not going to be embarrassed. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not, I mean, I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. For as long as you remain in that position, you are closing your heart and your life off to the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. And there is a world around you waiting for you to surrender and submit to the power of the Holy Spirit so that God can begin to accomplish his supernatural task through you. When they received the gift of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, it says that they all begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enables them. It's pointing towards the supernatural task. Jesus has told them, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what we see on the day of Pentecost, all of these pilgrims have gathered in Jerusalem. They've come back to celebrate the, the, the day of Pentecost. They've come back to remember what God has done in their life, to worship. They've gathered together in that temple area, and the Holy Spirit is poured out as that crowd begins to swell. And as the crowd begins to swell, what we see is God is making the church a global movement before the church is even aware that it's the church. The apostles are just there. They think they're just receiving the Holy Spirit. But actually what is happening is God is setting the stage where it's not just going to be them going to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, but of that crowd of thousands. And when Peter gets up, we'll see it next week, he gets up, he tells them what Jesus has done. 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus in one moment. And then they go back to everywhere they came from to tell other people the good news about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. The task God has for your life is far too big for you. The task God has for me is far too big for me. We need his supernatural power. And when you surrender to the power of the Spirit and you receive the power of the Spirit, God begins to work and use your life in ways sometimes that you expect, but oftentimes in ways you would have never anticipated or never thought possible. 
And then, then we also see the response of the crowd when they hear them speaking their own languages. Right? And, and so, so let's think for just a moment. These are Jewish men and women who've returned to Jerusalem. Most of them have grown up outside of Israel. Or they were part of the diaspora. They'd been spread around the world through, through different hardships and different events. They've grown up all over the known world at the time. And while they have learned Hebrew as part of their Jewish upbringing, it's not necessarily the language of their heart. And so these men and women, they have learned the languages of the lands where they've lived. And now they've returned to Jerusalem. And as they're gathered to celebrate the day of Pentecost, they begin to hear God's glories being proclaimed in their heart language in the language of their home. I think we've got people in the room. Who, who did not grow up in the United States? Anybody? There we go. Right? So, so I'm guessing where you grew up, English was not your heart language, right? For most of you. I'm also 100% confident I cannot speak any of your heart languages. <laughs> I would love to. I'd love to I, would, I would love to read Acts 1-8 to you this morning in the language of your heart. But, but you know, because I know, I know what it's like when I travel to another country. And I, I hear God's glories, but I can't understand the language. And I'm in a worship service, but sometimes in that worship service, there'll be somebody who does speak a little bit of English. And they'll just read a scripture. They'll just make a statement, and it resonates deep, deep in my heart in a way that it never will anywhere else. And so on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and pours himself out, and they begin to speak in other tongues as he enables them. And they're declaring the glories of God in the heart languages of the people who've gathered. And the people's first response is, aren't these ordinary Galileans? Now, now I, don't, I don't know if you're aware of it, but Oklahoma is the equivalent of Galilee. <laughs> they didn't mean that as a compliment. <laughs> Galileans were backwards. Galileans were uneducated. Galileans had a funny accent. It gave them away. Right, you, you remember when Peter is there on the night Jesus is arrested and they say, we know you're one of his. We can tell by your accent. It's because he's Galilean. The country bumpkins had come to town. I, I grew up in Kansas. I loved growing up in Kansas. I moved to Oklahoma and people made fun of me for growing up in Kansas. Like, now, I love Tulsa, but it's not exactly the bastion of civilization. Right? Like, I mean, I, we, all, we, we can all agree. We love where we live. But we're flyover country, right? When I go preach for my buddy in California, his people ask me why I didn't wear cowboy boots. When I talk to my buddy in the Northeast, he's telling me this is what is in style now. I'm like, that's never actually in style. Nobody wears that here. Nobody that cares, right? Like, like we're just, we, we get that. And on the day of Pentecost, what we see is God pouring out his spirit on ordinary people, which is, is great news for us. It's great news for everyone everywhere because there's really no one who's extraordinary enough to be up to the task of taking the whole gospel to the whole world in personal, powerful, and transformational ways. There's nothing inside of me or you naturally that can cause someone to join a local church, to be baptized, to make a public profession of faith, to change everything about their life. I don't have that, you don't have that. I've never saved anyone, you've never saved anyone. I've never done anything for anyone that would elicit that kind of response. And yet, when we surrender and submit to the power of the Holy Spirit, he takes our very ordinary lives and uses them for his extraordinary purposes, right? And, and your, 
your simpleness becomes the, the platform for God to display his glory. Right? When you have peace in a situation where you shouldn't have peace, it draws the attention of others to him. When you have knowledge about things that there's no way you should know, it draws the attention of others to Jesus. When you have the ability to make connections, to build relationships across lines of race and culture and language and socioeconomics and every other division that we have, when the Spirit gifts you in those ways, your ordinariness becomes an example of what God can do. Their response is, aren't those just Galileans? But then they immediately have to shift. But we hear God's glory declared in our languages. What does this mean? And what we see is that supernatural power is given for, for the toughest of situations. You would have never expected the disciples on the day of Pentecost to start a movement that would change the world as we know it. And yet they did because of the power of the Holy Spirit working through them. And you might find yourself in some tough situations this morning where you think, I, I, I hear about the gift of the Holy Spirit, I understand maybe I need that, but there are reasons in my life why that's not possible for me. But no matter how tough your life is, there is supernatural power for you today. Or you, you might be in a position today where you think, I agree, I should be a witness, but you don't understand the nature of my work, you don't understand the family where I live, you don't understand the challenges that I face, you don't understand the past that I'm coming out of. I'm not really witness material, right? If I witness at work, I'll get fired. If I witness at school, I'll get made fun of. If I, if I do these things here or there. But what I would tell you this morning is the more objections you have for why you can't is the more proof you have for why you need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And I know, like, we, I've talked with many of you. I understand the restrictions that some of you face at work. I understand the restrictions you face at school. I understand the difficulties you face at home. But what I would tell you this morning is that the Holy Spirit remains undefeated in the face of every opposition that the enemy has thrown up at him. All right, so, so you, can, you can sit here and think, man, I, we ha you might have Satan himself as the HR director at your office. And there may very well be a policy and procedure designed to explicitly forbid every aspect of your faith from that environment. The Holy Spirit's not scared of that HR director. There's never been a policy manual in the world that has defeated the power of God. You might have that teacher that you think, I can't possibly stand for my faith in this environment. They will rip me apart. It's really cute that they have an advanced degree but God is not worried about them. He's not scared of them or intimidated by them. And he can release his power for you to be a witness in that environment. Your past might be super shady. You might think nobody's ever going to want to hear anything I have to say. But we're gonna see as we work through Acts, God loves to take shady people and use them for stories of salvation and life change. And the thing that you maybe this morning think disqualifies you the most might be the space where the Holy Spirit's going to release his power and use you in the greatest and most influential ways. No matter what you're facing, God's gift of the Holy Spirit is all you need to accomplish all that he has for you. He has a plan. He's promised the power. Our job is, is very simple. It's two things. We want to make sure we're followers of Jesus, and we want to ask him to release all the power that he has for us. And from there, it's all on him. And it's just our job to receive, and it's our job to participate. So if you'll stand with me, I want to pray for us. The band's going to come back, lead us in a, few, in a song, and, and we're just going to pray a few of those prayers. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? 
Jesus, we come today and we pray first, Lord, if there's anyone in the room or online with us who has not surrendered their life to you, today, Lord, will you help them to receive your conviction, to embrace that that feeling that they have in their soul right now, that they would confess their sins, that they would believe in their heart that you have been raised from the dead, that you are their Savior and their Lord, and they would place their faith in you. Jesus, we believe as you draw us to repentance, you lead us into new life. Lord, I pray for those of us who have surrendered to you. We come, Lord, recognizing that you have big supernatural plans for our life. And Jesus, we want to receive all the power that you have promised. So Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room. We invite you to bring an awareness to our hearts of your power and your presence. Jesus, you see the hard and difficult situations that many of us are facing today. You see how we think that's proof that we can't be engaged as a witness for you. Lord, will you instead show us that that's a space where you're going to release the power of your Holy Spirit today. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in our lives. You are welcome in our problems. You are welcome in our challenges. You are welcome into our doubts. You are welcome into our objections. You are welcome into our weakness. You are welcome into every space where we feel inadequate, insecure, and in need. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Will you release your power in our lives today? Jesus, as on the day of Pentecost, will you begin to pour out your spirit with supernatural signs that we have received and that we can move forward? Jesus, we believe that the promise of Acts is the promise for today. This is power for us, power we need, power our world needs us to experience. So Holy Spirit, will you come? Jesus, will you release your gift in our life? All we want is all that you have promised and all that you have. We take our our stand firmly in the scriptures believing that what was true for then is true for now. Believing that what was needed and effective then is needed and effective now. So Holy Spirit, will you come? Release your power in our lives to do all that you've called us to do. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.